Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored as always by Johnny T-Shirt. You can visit them either at JohnnyTShirt.com or at their location on Franklin Street. I'm John Siegley, your host for this one, joined as usual when we talk football recruiting by the Inside Carolina expert himself, Don Callahan, and our main man in charge, Buck Sanders. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing today? Doing great, John. Hope you are. I am wonderful. I got to actually meet a couple of um, podcast listeners while at the the spring game, which I'm sure we'll get into a lot. So uh, during the portion, I guess the Fan Fest portion, a lot of the recruits were were kind of intermingled among the the fans that were enjoying the Fan Fest. So... um, couple of fans came up we were talking about the podcast and everything so shout out to those guys for uh letting me know because i i thought maybe there was like maybe five people who listened to us apparently there's more than that you're enjoying the limelight there becoming a celebrity yeah yeah celebrity for my voice so that's that's always a positive thing i mean you can just tell don because he's going to be the one guy that even if it's 90 degrees outside he's wearing like full khakis just sweating it all out <laughs> Yeah, well, setting out in the sun, no matter what you're wearing, is still going to be hot, especially this, you know, that southern sun is can be a killer. Well, look, luckily the sun came out for the spring game, which really helped make the event, I thought, a overall success. Not as good yeah. as, as what it could have been, but still successful. As you said, though, Don, we'll get into that just here in a little bit. But as is our custom, let's go ahead and start off the podcast by going over our top five list. This week, it was the top five defensive backs that UNC is recruiting. So, Don, I will turn over to you. Go ahead and remind us of the names that were in the pool for this one. And also let us know how our response was from our listeners. Well, our response wasn't great. And some of that might have been the fact that I didn't, uh, I didn't put out how you can send us your your list. So that was that was my fault. But for future ones, we don't have one for next week. But for future podcast, uh, yeah, podcast top fives, um, just tweet at me or send it to me on on Inside Carolina's message board. Um, my Twitter handle is Don Callahan IC. Um, my handle on IC's message board is Don Callahan. You can also send it to John on Twitter or the message board, uh, but uh, the five that, well, we actually, had, I think we had seven, seven that you could choose from and, and basically make a list of five from, and those were uh, UNC commits Lamarion James, Cameron Roseman Sinclair, and then UNC targets Jaquarius Conley, Malik Faust, uh, Isaiah Fisher-Smith, Malcolm Green, and Keontae Jenkins. The one interesting thing with this group is a good chunk of them are, over half are uh, four-star guys. But um, we have only two submissions this week. And the most sad part with all of that is that John from South Carolina, actually Charleston, he's a coach in the uh, Charleston area, he did not submit a, uh, a ranking for the first time in a very, very – actually, it's the first time since we've been doing this. So I think we need to check on, on John to make sure everything's okay because this is definitely out of character. But other regulars like uh, Dale and Waxhall and Paul, who told me he is from um, Morganton, home of uh, of Leon Johnson, uh, did submit theirs. Uh, Dale's is in order. He went with uh, Jaquarius Conley, Keontae Jenkins, Malcolm Green, K- 
Cameron Rosen Sinclair, and Malik Faust. And then Paul, his rankings in order, Cameron Roseman Sinclair, Jaquarius Conley, Lamarion James, Malik Faust, and Keontae Jenkins. How do you guys want to do it this time? Because the last two times we've we've changed it up a little bit. I think last time we made you start, Don. I think the time before that I may have started. So I'll tell you what, Buck, why don't you get the honors and lead us off with your list starting uh, five or starting with one either way, and we'll go from there. That's a good idea because then I could copy off of him. There you go. You know, uh, if if I was um, a, a different kind of person, I would complain about this, but <laughs> but I won't. But there are some things about this particular list that I found kind of hard to deal with. In some cases, you know, we're reviewing defensive backs, but in a lot of cases, there's not a lot of film on some of these guys with them playing just defensive back. A lot of these guys are playing offense and defense, and a lot of the film is them doing their thing on offense. And and some of how these people are used uh, to me is curious, and I'm going to want Don's take on it. But here goes with all those caveats, and uh, we'll we'll move right along. I had like at least one of our submitters had. I I did have Cameron Roseman Sinclair at number one. I'm going to go from one to five here. So uh, no drum roll will be required. (laughs) And and in addition, with all uh, recruits that uh, hyphenate, have a hyphenated name, in the future, this guy's CRS. Uh, It's just way too much of a mouthful to say. So I'm going to just call him CRS. And... I liked him, and it's easy to see why he's so highly rated. Um, he's really a physical beast, you know, in the in, in the back side of a defense, you know. But I see him almost exclusively as a safety, and so that's another thing I found with this list is that uh, so many of these guys I see them more as safeties than I do uh, corners, uh, starting with uh, CRS. Um, you know, he's a big hitter, um, uh, and it almost was funny at a couple of points. It almost seems like some of the guys he was getting ready to tackle would go to the ground before he had a chance to hit him. Um, he, he could fit very well into Bateman's, uh, defense, uh, could be one of those Swiss army knife kind of guys, uh, that, uh, projects pretty well in, uh, Bateman's uh, positionless football approach. Number two on the list was Jacurius Conley, who reminds me of CRS uh, quite a bit. He he also plays multiple roles. Uh, he's a kick returner, running back. Um, anytime he was on the field, basically he outrun everybody on the field. So it looks like he has some speed, moves well laterally and vertically. Uh, he's got a big frame. Thing about him, though, is I wonder if he'll get bigger and become a linebacker. But he can, he can pretty much do it all. He's um, He can tackle, he can blitz, he can cover. And like I said, I like him almost as much as I do uh, CRS. Number three, I, I had – here's where I may deviate from a lot of people, including both of y'all. I had Malcolm Green number three. And one of the reasons I had him number three is uh, because there's a lot more film on Green actually uh, – 
on receivers. Uh, he's not lined up at corner, though. He lines up at nickel. Um, he's got the ability to roll down in the box and run support, but he's got really good eyes. He's not uh, misled by receivers so much, you know, when they uh, go through their fakes or whatnot. He takes good angles, and he closes really quickly on the ball. Um, and, you know, we talk a little bit about tracking as a defensive back, and he's really good at tracking ball carriers. Uh, when, once he knows somebody's got the ball, he tracks them down. He also has good speed, good special teams player. I like him a lot. Um, four, I had Lamarian James. Uh, he's another guy that, again, there's just not a lot of film on him playing as a defensive back. There's a lot of him playing wide receiver, which is good. Uh, in the sense that you know he's got pretty good ball skills. Um, he runs away from everyone, you know, on, on, at the high school level. So he seems to have good speed. He's got really good cut, cutting ability. You can see from his wide receiver uh, film that, you know, he can change directions on a dime. It looks, that means he looks like he has good hips. Doesn't have a lot of on film of him tackling so much. And it's hard to tell for me whether he'll be a corner or a safety at the next level. And number five, and this is very odd, and, and Don can probably point me in the right direction, but I looked and looked and looked, and I, I could not find any high school film on Jenkins at all. I still placed him number five, number one, because I'm sort of relying on the rankings that he's been getting from everybody, and everybody categorizes him as a corner. And and I, I see – I listed him because he's really, so far as I can tell, on this entire list, he might be the only true corner among all the defensive backs. Now, some of the other guys might be able to play corner, and at least one, I think. Malcolm Green could play nickel for sure. But everybody else I kind of see more as a safety than as a corner. So uh, that's why I listed him number five. I left Malik Faust out and Isaiah Fisher-Smith off the list. So. That's my list, guys. Yay or nay, let me know what I got wrong. Well, actually, Buck, you and I were kind of on the same wavelength for this one. We had several guys that were in the same spot. I like it overall, um, especially there at the top with CRS, as he will now be known on the podcast, and Jacorius Conley. I think overall, there were some film on Keontae Jenkins that I found. I have him in my top five. We'll get to him later on. But uh, overall, I mean, I I kind of agree with you there, Buck. Don, what do you think about Buck's listing there? No, I mean, I liked it. And I think that um, I don't know if we have any exact number, but I think a lot of ours are just like a spot off or so. Um, and I agree with him when it comes to just looking at film of defensive backs. It, I find it difficult because of the, the reasons that Buck mentioned. You don't see when one you don't see the the uh a lot of times you don't see the db kind of follow or cover the the actual receiver usually you see the quarterback drop back and then the ball in flight and then you see like the circle pops on the db and the db makes an interception so you don't get to see you know a lot of times just what they're doing unless it's like a a, a shorter route um you also um, a lot of these guys and, and i'll talk about more when i get to my ranking is yeah they're playing different positions um for the most part or they're they're like Conley, for example, it's I, I had a hard time finding anything with him in coverage, be, but you see a lot of stuff of him tackling and all that, and that's that's just a product of 
the teams he plays against in Eastern North Carolina who don't throw the ball a lot. And so you're kind of, um, you know, at, at the mercy of the teams that you play against and you don't really have any control over that. But, but guys like, uh, like uh, a CRS to use Buck's nickname. You know, he plays in Charlotte where he's playing a lot of teams who will pass the ball. So he gets that benefit, you know, uh, Keontae Jenkins, who, um, well, I'll have to send Buck the, uh, the, the uh, link to the film. He plays in an area that throws the ball a lot. So, and Malcolm Green, same thing. So it's easier to kind of see those guys in coverage, but guys like Conley, it, you know, you don't get that sort of benefit. And then you have guys like Lamarion James who, you know, plays a lot of offense and it's like 11 minutes worth of film. There is some clips in there, but you have to watch like two minutes worth of, of offense films. And then you get one clip of a defensive film. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was a really good list, Buck. You did a good job. I wanted to follow up with this one question. It seemed to me like there was, um, you know, what might come into play. You, you touched on it briefly. Um, is that if you're, a high school team and you are playing in a, at a level or in a conference in a region that just doesn't throw the ball that much, you wouldn't necessarily put the best athletes you have at corner um, because they're not going to see the ball that often. You know, if, if you've got somebody like uh, uh, Jacurius uh, Conley, uh, who's like a real beast at tackling and getting guys to the ga- ground and, and tracking players like we talked about. You you want that guy closer into the line of scrimmage and, and in a position where he can get to the quarterback. And uh, one of the guys, uh, I forget who it was, uh, they lined him up almost like a defensive end every time in the film that I saw. You're probably talking about so, Malik Faust. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so – Anyway, um, I was just wondering, does that come into play as something to keep in mind when you're watching film of these guys that you may not, if somebody could might be a corner at the next level, but because of the, the style of football that they, uh, they're more or less forced to play, they're never going to be out on the corner. Well, I think what you have to do in those situations, like let's take – Lamarion James, for example, and let's let's just pretend you don't see any defensive film on him. You look at his film and you look at his his ability to to juke defenders constantly and to spin out of things. And and you look at uh, uh, the one thing with Malcolm Green. Yes, there's a lot of uh, coverage film on him, but there's a couple interceptions that he had where you know he spun out of a a tackle and he juked a defender and all that and you look at just that elusiveness and the, just the overall athleticism and typically your your best athletes are on the football field regardless of level um have a have you know have ability to play the cornerback position and also I mean that's that's a really good reason why college camps are very important and uh, because really a lot of situations or not even just college camps, you know, going to a spring practice at a high school is important is because you like Buck mentioned, I mean, for Conley, you, well, you know, I mentioned earlier, he's not going to face a lot of passing teams, but even if a team is going to pass, you still want him close to the line because he's a guy who he's just the best player on the field at all times. And so you want to put him in the best position possible for him to make plays. So you don't get to see him, drop into coverage. You don't get to see his back pedal. You don't get to see him change direction um, and break on balls all the time. So um, spring practices and summer camps are key to put those in those situations. And really it's, 
you know, you can do just a couple of drills and you can kind of see if, if a guy has stiff hips or can break quickly or not. Um, but that's why those things are pretty interesting. I want to, I want to go last because I'm really curious to see how, um, how John's list shaped out. And I want to, to see if we actually ended up keeping our streak alive and, and getting at least one the same. So John, what, what do you have for us? All right, so I'll do the inverse of what Buck did. I'm going to start at number five. And in that spot, I had Lemarian James. Is it because Not... you want to do a uh, a drum roll? Uh, sure, I'll do a drum roll, even though All Buck right. can, you know, give me some. I, I just think Buck doesn't have that. a good Buck doesn't have a good drum roll, and that's what it comes down to. I, I like that idea. We'll go with that. Um, anyways, like I was saying, for my number five guy, I had Lamarian James. Not really too much of an indictment on him. I, I honestly had a very tough time with my three, four, and five guys. Uh, with Lamarian, I just think that I'm, I'm with Buck. I don't know if he's going to be a safety or cornerback. And the issue is that if he's at cornerback, I don't quite know if he has the hips for it. If he's at safety, I don't quite know if he has the size for it. So I think for him, you can clearly see that there's a lot of potential there. I just think it's going to depend on how he develops once he gets into a college strength and conditioning program. But I mean, the film is pretty good on Lamarian. I do think that UNC got a good commit in him. So he was my number five, just basically because I wasn't sure really what position he would end up playing. My number four was Malcolm Green. I actually really liked what I saw of Green's film because he's a guy who really does like to hit. Um, He showed good ability to cover. In the film of his, he had a couple interceptions, but they were kind of easy. I felt like like two of them were just the quarterback threw a terrible pass. And he literally just sat under it um, and picked it up. But on other plays, you know, he actually showed a really good desire to get in there and make tackles. I do wonder about him being listed as a safety, considering that according to the uh, recruiting database, you know, he's only 5'10", 180. And I think maybe nickel is where he could slot in at just because of that ability to go low, take out some taller wide receivers going across the middle, things like that. So Malcolm was my number four. And then I had Keontae Jenkins at number three. Buck really hit it on the on the head there where he said that Jenkins was kind of the only pure cornerback of this group. And I completely agree with that. Um, Jenkins also had some interceptions in his film. Again, a couple of them were easy. A couple of them were him, him actually reading a play, being in the right position. And Jenkins, I, I just think that overall, when it comes to quarterback, he was the one out of all this list that I really would think could fit in at that position, basically from day one. So Jenkins at the cornerback spot, number three. My number two, Jacorius Conley. And then my number one, da 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 Cameron Roseman Sinclair. So Buck and I actually had the exact same one-two, and my thoughts were basically right in line with Buck's. I mean, with CRS, he is just a guy who loves to hit. I actually think he's a bit taller than the six-foot 183 that he's listed at in the database. He definitely plays bigger, which is always crucial. I can see him being a strong side safety from you know his first days on campus. I think that's where he will slot in. Don't really see him as a free safety, but definitely someone that can come up and run support, provide some hits, and still cover when needed. Conley, I really liked his stuff as well. It was very close between him and CRS. I think just with Conley, even though he has the size, I also did have the thought, like Buck did, that maybe he could play linebacker. I mean, 6'2", and he's a big kid. Uh, I just think that with, with Roseman Sinclair, he has a little bit better nose for the ball, is a little bit more technically advanced at this state in, in their high school football careers. 
So that's why I had those at the one and two spot. So, um, but considering that you and I basically had the exact same list, I'm guessing that you approve of, uh, of my guys there. I do. And I don't often put myself in the position to, uh, criticize our great network 24 seven sports, but on, uh, CRS's page on 24 seven sports, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the only video they have up of him was when he was a freshman. And, and so, you know, just out of curiosity, I looked at that first and as a freshman high school freshman, he was really, really impressive. I mean, from the moment he started playing varsity football, uh, he was impressive even then. I, uh, after that, I ran a search on huddle and got his junior highlights and whatnot. But, um, you know, the, even his freshman highlights in high school were impressive. Yeah, I agree with that, Buck. And I had to do the exact same thing when I clicked on it. At first, I was like, wow, this kid's really good. And then I actually looked at the title and realized freshman season. I was just like, dude, this kid has really been someone that has been on the radar of, I'm sure, a lot of colleges for years now. So, Don, after hearing my list, uh, first off, did we have someone ranked in the same spot? And then what were your thoughts overall? We actually had two. Uh, but before uh, I before I give you that, um, I wanted to, to point out something and kind of just add on what you were saying. There are that's the other negative thing about watching these clips is sometimes you watch a clip and the opposing quarterback just completely just overthrows his target and it just lands right into the defensive back you're watching's uh, stomach and he catches the ball. I guess you give him a credit for catching the ball, but um, really it's just being at the right place at the wrong time, playing a really crappy quarterback. And a lot of those things happen, and, and I understand you want to put your interceptions on highlights, and, and so it's a big accomplishment, but that's another thing. I mean, he obviously didn't do anything, but yet, you know, that's just how the, the, the cookie crumbles, I guess. But the our last two are exactly the same, John. Uh, we both had um, Lamarion James, number five, and Malcolm Green, number four. With uh, James, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with his high school coach, who said to me that if he were a high school coach, or if he was a North Carolina coach, he would put Lamarion on the offensive side of the ball. And after watching his film, and maybe it's just I was just so inundated with offensive film, I just felt like, man, I I think this kid might be an offensive player. And he reminds me so much of Daz Newsome um, for a lot of reasons. One of them is the fact that. If you remember when Daz was being recruited for the entire time, he was being recruited as a defensive back. Uh, really, up when he signed, he was, you know, I think he was labeled as a defensive back on North Carolina's commitment list on their official page. And then once practice starts, we hear all this talk about him playing wide receiver and him having a, you know, standout camp. And I think I could see the same scenario playing out with Lamarion James to further prove that point. Over the weekend, I know we shouldn't be talking about rivals because they're a competition, but they held a camp. And James participated as a running back and a defensive back and actually won the running back MVP. Now, I think if he plays on offense, I think he's more of a, I think he could take some you know, handoffs and stuff, but I think he's more of a slot guy, you know, a guy you want to get into the open space. But I think it speaks about just where his potential might be. But he has great ball skills. As I mentioned earlier, super elusive. Um, he, he's going to, regardless of where he plays, he, he's going to be in the mix for returner also. With Malcolm Green, you know, I saw the same things that you guys saw. You know, I love his quick twitch. You know, uh, if he has the ball or if he doesn't have the ball, he just makes decisions really quickly. 
I too see him as more of a, a nickel guy. Um, you know, um, maybe some safety, um, but uh, you know, I definitely see as more of a nickel guy uh, because he's he's good at uh, locking down receivers, but he's also good in, in run support. My number three, I'm gonna, I guess, uh, be a little different than you guys. Is I went with uh, CRS there, uh, and nothing, nothing against him whatsoever. Um, the other guys above him, I, I really like. Um, and uh, with Roseman Sinclair, you know, uh, he's you, know, you look at him, he just looks the way you want a college defensive back to look like right now. And he's he's a rising senior, and he's looked that way for the past couple of years. But I mean, he's he's another one who who left a rivals camp with the DB MVP. But to me, I feel like he's uh, the prototypical nickel guy. Uh, if he doesn't fit in nickel, he, he would be a safety, a strong safety. Someone you want, He's someone you want close to the box because he's going to make a lot of tackles. He's going to make a lot of big hits on, on receivers. Uh, but, uh, you know, he still has the coverage skills, the ball skills, um, he, you know, and, and all that. Uh, now, for my one and two, I guess I'll do my drum with da 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 my number two is Keontae Jenkins, and my number one is Jaquarius Conley. I went back and forth with these two, and I think ultimately what it comes down to is, you, do you want a safety? Even though I agree with Buck, and I and my question is, is does he outgrow? He's 6'2", 190 now. Does he outgrow safety and grow into a linebacker, which, which can certainly be the case, especially in an offense – I'm sorry, especially in a defense like North Carolina's, um, because I think he's very similar to Quadra Jackson that North Carolina signed last year. Um, But or do you want a corner? And if if you want a corner, then you then you go with Keontae Jenkins, who I feel like is a shutdown guy. He's a guy who, uh, you know, you put on the other team's best receiver and he takes him out of the game completely. He has his tremendous recovery speed. He will. You can see he kind of baits the quarterback a little bit and making his uh, receiver look open, and then just closes quickly and breaks up the pass or makes an interception. He reminds me a lot of his brother, uh, Levante Taylor, who's a defensive back at Florida State. Um, so I mean, he obviously trains with him. He's related to him. So you, so you can see why the comparisons are very similar frame. He's five ten, one sixty. I think his brother's five ten, one eighty. Moving on to uh, Conley. I mean, he's just a big athlete and like buck said you know you can't you don't see him in coverage very much but what you do see is you you see him returning a bunch of kicks where he shows he's just he's bigger than everybody he's faster than everybody and he's more athletic than everybody and you see him playing running back playing quarterback playing receiver um you see him you know basically playing linebacker and making tackles behind the line of scrimmage i mean he's just a huge athlete that um, you know gives you a lot of tools, a lot of versatility, and I think he would be absolutely awesome in North Carolina's defense. I'll swing it back to John. John, where are we going next? Let me ask you this, Don, before we take our first commercial break. UNC has two defensive backs committed, like we've already said, Lamarian James, Cameron Roseman Sinclair. How many do you think Carolina is targeting to take total in this class? I believe they want at least one more. And depending on their options and who they could land, they could land more than that. That's that's my um, my belief. Um, now things are going to change throughout the year. Injuries. They'll f- maybe they find out they they need more uh, defensive backs than they once uh, thought. But I think definitely one more, possibly two, if they can land the right two. Does the fact that uh, Lamary and James could. Uh, transfer to the offensive side of the ball. Does that increase the math there at all? Or how do you think about that? 
I agree. I think that if they start to kind of feel like, okay, he could potentially play offense, and I don't get that sense right now, but if they start to think that, then obviously, yeah, that's going to that's going to add numbers to the DB group for sure because, you know, you want to make sure you at least hit your, your quota for the position. All right. Excellent stuff there, Don. Let's go ahead and take a break, and when we get back, let's go ahead and shift the discussion to the spring game. So everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Johnny T-Shirt. They are a very long-term supporter of Inside Carolina and the Inside Carolina podcast, and they are your place to go to for Carolina gear. Johnny T-Shirt has been a Franklin Street tradition for over 35 years, and they are one of the absolute iconic locations there on campus. They are locally and alumni-owned with a great staff that puts great value on customer service. It is really top-notch. When you go into Johnny T-Shirt, they make you feel like you are a part of the family. They are your place to go to for Carolina gear because it is their focus. They have a terrific selection of anything that you might want from memorabilia to jerseys to clothing and everything in between. And if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get your exclusive 10% off discount on all of your purchases. You can use that either in their Chapel Hill store or at johnnytshirt.com. That's johnnytshirt.com. So even if you live out of state, and you still need that Johnny T-shirt fix, you can go there to order anything that you need Carolina-related. So support Johnny T-shirt and support the Inside Carolina podcast. Visit their website, johnnytshirt.com, and visit their store when you're in town on game days. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan and Buck Sanders talking UNC football recruiting. So guys, the spring game was over the weekend, and you know it started off with a lot of buzz. Then as it looked like the weather might turn out to not cooperate, things kind of got a little bit disappointing. But it turned out that I felt the crowd actually was halfway decent considering everything. And, you know, Don, I really got the sense that Mac Brown and the coaching staff were really trying to make this into a big recruiting event, something that we have not seen in a while. We talked about this in our podcast leading up to the spring game. You posted the potential recruit list on the Tarpit Premium Message Board. So if anyone is interested in seeing who actually did show up, Don has the full scoop there with photos and everything. But just overall, Don, when you were there on Saturday afternoon, what was your impression of the quality of recruits that did actually show to Chapel Hill for the event? Well, I mean, the quality for a spring game dwarfs any other spring game attendance that I can think of. I mean, I really don't think that there has ever been a spring game that has as much talent on the sidelines. Um meaning the recruits than than Saturday's spring game. And that's even with a lot of no shows because guys didn't want to travel with the with the weather and the uncertainty of the weather. And we actually, as you mentioned earlier, end up having a pretty good day. But yeah, I mean you you say it you said it um you know you had guys like Jacoby Cohen returning, which was big. Uh we have an update on Jacoby Cohen on the on the website right now to make sure you check that out. Yeah, Kedrick Bigley Jones, who who returns. You have a bunch of the commits. Desmond Evans was back on campus, five star, one of the, one of the top uh, players in the nation, regardless of position. Um, you have an official visitor, Malik Hornsby. We have an update on, on with him. He's a uh, a quarterback out of Texas, a four star quarterback out of Texas. We have an update with him. Trenton Simpson is a guy that a lot of people think will be the next to commit. We actually address that completely with our update on Inside Carolina. We are going to have tons of updates throughout the week. 
on a bunch of the top guys who have come and actually the next couple of weeks, really. Um, but we started off with, with some, some really um, heavy hitters with Trenton Simpson and, and Jacoby Cohen and Malik Hornsby, all three are four-star guys and all, all three have a big interest in, um, in North Carolina. But yeah, I mean, the, the weather ended up being a lot better than what anticipated. And I, I'm actually curious to ask Buck what, because uh, Buck had a very special, I guess, event for the spring game. So I'm curious how that turned out, especially since the weather cooperated for you. Well, it went about as well as we expected. Um, John was actually there helping us and did it was a great, actually a lifesaver. I forgot an, an adapter that I needed uh, for my computer to plug everything in. And John ran up to the Apple store and got it for me so that we could get the live streaming podcast off the, off the ground. We were prepared when we left home uh, to encounter some thunderstorms and with thunderstorms, you don't know when or if they're going to pop up. So uh, we we have a tent. We have an inside Carolina tent we'll be using next year. But uh, we decided not to to bring that into the mix uh, because putting it up or taking it down in a thunderstorm would not have been pleasant. Uh, so we kind of parked under the deck at the bowls lot, and that was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of uh, inside Carolina subscribers came by to say hello, hang out with us a little bit. Uh, Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, uh, Gregory Hall, our intern, uh, all came by to join in on the discussion. And uh, we managed to get the live streaming effort off the ground. It uh, didn't always look pretty or go smooth, but uh, now we know we at least have that option in our pocket when we need it. So uh, it was all good. And uh, but thanks for asking. And uh, John and I actually watched a good bit of the spring game together um, on Saturday. You weren't there, Don, so I missed you. Hey, I just want to know, did you guys hold hands? No, that's only between you and Buck. I'm not to that special level yet. All right, I'm just making sure I don't want I don't want Buck cheating on me. You know, Buck only has eyes for you, Don. Would I ever? <laughs> I did. Yeah. I did catch some of the spring game though. But yeah, my my um focus was the recruits. So that um, I'm actually eager to watch it. Uh, watch the full spring game. Um, I guess on it's on ESPN three, correct? I'll be able to watch it on that and. Uh, and see what happened. And, and also, and I haven't even, and I, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit this on, on the podcast, but I haven't even read Greg's report. And I, it is really, and I, and I don't mean this in a joking way, it is something that I always look forward to because he just does such a thorough job. And he's one of those guys when you're sitting, I sit next to him, in the, well, I sit next to him on Saturday, and you can't bother him because he's just so into his computer and into taking notes and everything like that. But he's just, he's, he's a machine and I always enjoy reading his stuff. So I'm actually really eager to read that too. Once I get a chance to kind of catch my breath from getting, talking to all these recruits and, and getting all these updates up. Yeah. And, and as Don said, for everyone listening in, you know, that content is going to be rolling out on the Tar Pit Premium Message Board on Inside Carolina. So make sure that you tune into that. You know, Don, let's uh, kind of talk a little bit in generalities here. But when you were going around the recruits, both on the day of and even since then, how do you think their perception was of the spring game? Do you get the sense that they were impressed with it, that they kind of considered hey we understand this was trying to be a big event the weather wasn't that it didn't cooperate really 
like were, were the coaches able to you, you think really turn this and use it as a positive in the recruitment of some of these very key guys for the class of 2020 yeah i think it turned out well but i don't think it turned out the way that they had anticipated i think that and this is just me talking to the recruits and observing them and I don't know how much of the actual game they actually watched, but there was definitely a lot of just kind of chumminess and hanging out and goofing around among the the large group of recruits. And I think what kind of set the stage for that was the fact that they just threw the recruits out onto the field to kind of mix in with the fans. And they were able to kind of, it wasn't like a typical game where they kind of line them up on the sidelines and not a whole lot of of uh, room to move around and, and talk to people you might not know. Since it was out in the open on the field, they are able to talk to people that they don't normally talk to. The commits in particular were really, really active recruiting for North Carolina, and they kind of stuck together and kind of moved around with you know within the group to different targets and were talking to them and, and making them feel comfortable. And that sort of um, environment continued when the entire group had to go into the stands to watch the game and they just you know were talking and having a good time and all that and I'm sure they watched some of the spring game but I think what was happening more than anything else was just the camaraderie building among that group and that really to me is more valuable than anything else because a lot of these guys have seen um, what the defense what what the the offensive defense are going to look like and and the scheme is going to look like through their um you know, different meetings they've had with the, with the coaches. Buck, let me ask you something here because I thought it was very interesting that Mac Brown had the hot mic during the spring game. It took me a little while to figure it out that he was actually the voice that we were hearing over the intercom system. But, you know, he was animated in my estimation. And I know that you'll probably talk about this a little bit later on with Tommy and the rest when you guys do a breakdown of the spring game itself. But when you're looking at it from the recruiting perspective, the fact that you have Coach Brown out there walking the field, yelling out plays, making his comments, I mean, I think that that's got to allay some of the fear that uh, people had coming in that maybe Mac was not going to really be up to being the UNC head coach the second time around. What was your take on seeing him out there and being as vocal and as animated as he was? Well, you know, Mac has pushed back a little bit against the idea that uh, he's going to be a CEO kind of coach and and delegate you know, most of the responsibilities and just sort of focus on uh, you know running the program and and not being that active and involved uh, you know with the team per se. And if anybody had that impression then and you were there on Saturday, that probably got corrected a little bit because even though we've known uh, that in terms of being familiar with the nuts and bolts of the team that he has uh, is really extensive. Uh, you know, he when he has his press post-game press conferences, um, you know, he doesn't say uh, number two look really good out there today or. We need number 23 to get better at this. I mean, he calls them by their names. He knows how many people he has at each position. Uh, He talks about uh, things he wants particular players to work on in the offseason. This kid has got to get stronger. This kid needs to get a little bigger. Uh, And he speaks about them, and he he individualizes uh, 
each member of the team in a way that lets you know that he's got his finger on the pulse of his roster and his depth chart and what's going on there. But as far as the spring game is concerned, what was interesting was that it was clear there was really only one person in charge during the spring game for UNC, and that was Mac Brown. He didn't delegate really anything uh, during the game. He, he, uh, you know, he was the one that decided if it was a sack. He decided where the ball went down. I mean, he, he decided basically everything that was going on during the spring game. So, um, you know, Mac has pushed back against that idea that he's he's just he's not a coach. He's a executive. Uh, pretty hard in the off season with some of the interviews that he's done. So I, I think we saw a little of that on display on Saturday, and it was interesting to see. All right, Don, so let's go ahead and start winding this one up. Looking forward to the rest of the, I guess, off season now, what do you think Tar Heel fans can can be on the lookout for as far as recruiting goes? Like, do you think that there will be maybe a flurry of activity? Could we see some more commitments happen? say soon or do you think that a lot of it now as we go into the summer is really going to be shifting towards when those big summer official visits happen yeah i think i think things are going to start to die down a little bit because the coaches are going to be on the road now there's, there's going to be a lot fewer uh, campus visits there's going to be a lot more i think you can see some some offers going out because coaches get to see some guys in person who guys they may have liked on film but wanted to kind of check out their size so they'll be able to do that in in the coming weeks um and then also you have the the showcase camps that are that are um that are i guess closing out a little bit so we have the charlotte one coming up that inside carolina will be providing a ton of coverage for so that'll be big and then also the the high schools begin their spring practices in in May and uh, you know, inside Carolina will be covering a lot of those, the ones that, that have, you know, uh, top North Carolina targets. And then, yeah, we'll go into the summer and the summer is always a big time because you have camps, you have more visits, you have kids who have been thinking about the decisions and have already explored all their options. And maybe they're taking the last couple of visits or maybe they're taking some visits they haven't been able to take yet. And they get to the point where they're ready to make a commitment. And so you'll see some commitments happen in, in June, but that's, that's really the, the, the calendar for the most part for the next uh, two and a half months. Yeah. You know, Don, I'm going to uh, push back gently on that. You know, if this was a uh, typical year, I could see the calendar playing out like that, but you know, I, I sort of think that uh, there's a sense of urgency on this staff um, that is, is sort of going to force them to keep their uh, nose to the grindstone and, and not really back off of uh, or things die down too much, to use your words, um, even in the next week or so. I, I expect them to be going full bore. Um, you know, what they're selling is, you know, the North Carolina is on the rise and they're they're, they're going to, build something special here and this, that, and the other. And, you know, Mac Brown is, is a, uh, you know, the consummate salesman. And I think he knows, you know, that uh, for him to get North Carolina to where, you know, he wants to get it. Um, he's got a, a window to get his guys there and, and to build the type of roster uh, with the type of depth that he wants and, and, and that window is not huge. So uh, not to make you unhappy that there might be more work coming your way, but 
I sort of expect them to, you know, continue on the pace that they've been on uh, for a while now. I probably didn't, I guess, use the correct uh, words. I don't mean to imply that uh, UNC staff is backing off because they actually will be extremely busy starting, I think it's uh, starting next week, where all the coaches except for Mac Brown will be on the road visiting uh, recruits high schools. Um, And they'll probably go to, you know, I don't know, uh, 10 to a dozen schools a day, each each coach. I was implying um, a maybe, you know, a lack of commitments compared to the past couple of months, just because of the fact that you're going to see a lot less recruit visits to college campuses because of one, the coaches are going to be on the road and two, the um, uh, the the high schools are having their own uh, spring practices that are going to going to take up a lot of their time. So I'm just talking about visits um, and then visits usually kind of lead into commitments. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be completely shut down. Um, there are bound to be a couple, maybe not necessarily for North Carolina, but um, uh, commitments. I think you'll, you won't see as many commitments the until June uh, compared to the last couple of months. But yes, there'll be a lot of, you know, the coaching staff will be on the road, pounding the pavement, trying to find more guys. And as I said earlier, they'll, they'll be trying to get a, get their eyes on a guy that, that or guys who they liked on film, but just want to see if the measurables match up to what they, what they want in that particular position. All right, guys, good stuff here. Well, that was all the questions I had for Don. Buck, did you have anything else or can we go ahead and wrap this one up? Only that, you know, I would never want there to be a misunderstanding between Don and I. I <laughs> want to avoid that whatever fiber of my being. I'm glad he's cleared that up. There never has been a misunderstanding between Buck and I. There you go. <laughs> I yeah. think we're ready to go. I, I smell dinner cooking. That's uh, it. You still got to go over to uh, to Buck's house for dinner, Don. And, uh, you know, the next time you get that sweet recruiting scoop, make sure that you share that with the guy who signs our paychecks. Well, I think the invitation got lost in the mail, so I'm going to have to figure out when I'm supposed to be there. Uh, the scoop got lost in the mail is what got lost in the mail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and for everyone, I mean, if you are looking for the for the fastest scoops on football recruiting, Don Callahan, Inside Carolina's expert, he does it the best in business. So we will stay tuned, looking forward to the rest of the summer. I agree with Buck. I think it's going to be on the busier side. You know, we'll just see. These recruitments can and commitments can sometimes just come out of seemingly nowhere. So stay tuned to Inside Carolina, the Tar Pit Premium Message Board, for the most up-to-date information. Guys, we'll go ahead and call it quits today. Thank you very much for speaking with me. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. All right. Good Thanks, talk to you Don. guys. Thanks, Buck. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.